speak to you on the subject on can I really know God? I think it's one of the most important questions that people ask. In fact, there are a lot of people who believe that, that God is somewhere out there in the universe or some refer to him as some higher being. There are many people who believe that, that no common man can have a real connection with the Almighty. Can a, can a person really know God? And that's my question. Now, it's interesting. We live in an age of great information. In fact, we as church people, we have more information about God than we can ever put to use. We have sermons and CDs and DVDs, and we have small Bible groups, and we have online Bible courses, and we are inundated with information about, about God, and sometimes we get the idea, the more information that you have about God, that, that equates to a relationship with God. But the fact of the matter is, until you have what we call revelation, which is a supernatural unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ connecting to your personage of, as you as a person, until there is this intimacy, there never can be that true, real relationship with God. I like what Job 23 Verse 3 says, he says, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply. And I like what he says, if only I knew where to find God. We live in a culture today that believes in a smorgasbord. In fact, I have people tell me all the time, preacher, I believe there's many, many gods and it's a pick and choose where you want to look and where you want to receive your belief about God. In fact, the apostle Paul knew Jesus Christ. He encountered Jesus Christ, him being a Pharisee. And he had the opportunity to come face to face with God and experience a personal revelation and a personal salvation experience that changed him completely. And Paul's life's mission was in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he said that I may know him. And that I would know him in the power of his resurrection, that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, and that I would be conformable unto his death. Paul says, I want to know God. I don't want to know about God. I want to know him as I know my wife, or as I know my children, or I, I know friends that I have. I want to know him personally. Now, having a relationship with God can be an ad abstract concept for some people. How can you have a relationship with someone that you cannot see, you, you cannot audibly hear, or, or someone you cannot physically touch? And strictly from a human point of view, I can understand why people don't have a relationship with God, because it can easily be one-sided. Some try to talk to God or communicate to God, but find nothing but silence on the other side of the phone. And this silence can be interpret, interpreted in two ways in the minds of people. One, he really doesn't exist. Or number two, he's disconnected from the affairs of this life. So no matter what, it can be frustrating to have a meaningful relationship with the God of the universe who seems to be so far away. And yet you hear people talking about having a relationship with God. 
Now, the Bible teaches that anyone can have a functional relationship with God. If we understand three dynamics that connect us to God. This morning, I want to speak to you about three simple dynamics that will connect you to the Almighty God. How many here want to have a deeper relationship with God? Would you raise your hand? I do. I want to know him. I know him, but I want to know him in a greater sense. Now, there are three dynamics. Number one, the Bible reveals the true nature of God. The Bible, let me tell you something. This is the manual. I'm a firm believer that this is the final rule in practice. If you want to know absolute truth in this world, it is in the Bible. All the answers to the ills of life are found in the Holy Scriptures. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. This, this is the absolute truth. Therefore, this is the foundation of all principles. This is the foundation of all relationships. So when it comes to really having an authentic, genuine relationship with God, it's got to be founded on these principles in the Bible. It's amazing how people conjure up their own ideas and concepts about God. In fact, I visit many times uh, the homes of people, and uh, especially during times of difficulties in their life, and, and I, I get an inside track, and I, I've, I've gone to some people's room. In fact, I remember one lady had a room, and she said, I have many gods. I have many gods. And she had all these little statues set up, and she had candles underneath each one, and I thought to myself, I would be so confused. And, and so, and I said, So where do you, she goes, well, I just, I find these gods in my own heart. And so she kind of makes them up. But I begin to realize she was finding gods that would kind of fit her lifestyle. And she had all kinds of them. She even had a couple of Buddhas thrown in there. And she was praying to all of these little saints and these little idols. Some view God as being distant. Some view God as being punitive. Some people have a perception of God as just being angry. Some look at God as being sleepy or sleeping. Some people view God as being permissive, or some people look at God as being the cosmic bellhop, being the accommodating God. Some look at God as being a God of chance or good luck. Some look at God as being unfair Some look at God as being out of touch with reality, or some view God in a a very polytheistic way that there are many, many gods. Some view God as the God of pleasure or sensuality or the God of wealth or, or the God of destruction who needs to be appeased. Or some look at God as the God of nature, the trees, the stone, and gold, and precious stones. All of these are God's intrinsic gods. Some look at the sun, and and they worship the sun, and they think the sun, which is nothing more than the creation of God, they'll worship the sun, or they'll worship the stars, or they'll worship trees, or they'll worship the weather. Some people believe that, that everybody in some way, in some form, are many gods, that everybody is a god. Some believe that creation itself is God. In fact, that was 
the issue with the Apostle Paul. He went to Greece, and as he went to Greece, he went there and he walked down the streets of Athens, and, and he saw that all these folks had all these different shrines and ideas and concepts about God, and they made all these idols. And Paul thought to himself, you guys are so superstitious. You have conjured up your own ideas of God, but that's not the God of the Holy Scriptures. In fact, this is what he said, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way, for I was walking along your streets and I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription, to an unknown God. You don't even know who he is. This God whom you worship, who you consider unknown, is the one I'm going to tell you about and his name is Jesus. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, human hands uh, that can't be served for his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. That's Acts chapter 17, verse 22. You see, without a biblical understanding of the nature of God, it can lead to many misleading misconceptions about God. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to mankind and gives us accurate principles and information about his nature and conditions to connect us to him. Superstitious beliefs about God will keep you from a real relationship with God. And you can't have a relationship with an unknown God or with a God that you conjure up in your own mind and heart. Now, here are seven biblical truths we need to understand about God. Seven things that the Bible talks about God. Number one, God is a spirit. He is not a physical man that you can touch and handle. I believe in the trinity of God. God is one God, but there are three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Someone says, can you explain the trinity? Absolutely not. I mean, my little finite mind cannot explain the supernatural. But I do know this, one God, three persons. I used to tell people all the time, look at a tricycle, three wheels, one bike. Look at a pencil, the wood, the eraser, the lead, three, yet one. I try to help us understand the fact that God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they are three in one. So they work in concert together. And the most beautiful thing about it is the Trinity of God love you and I so much that they invited us to be a part of the family of God and we became joint heirs with Jesus Christ through his son. God is a spirit. John talks about that in the scriptures. He says that you must worship him in spirit. Number two, God is all-knowing. He's not dis disconnected from the events in your life. That's amazing. Me, amazing thing to me is God can know all about you and know all about me at the same time. Now I'm limited in my knowledge. I I might know about one or two of you what's going on in your life, but I don't know what's going on on in the life of everybody here. All, I just got to stand up and preach the word and trust God that He'll break His word and send it into the hearts of everyone that is here today. But God is all-knowing. He knows it all. He knows the future. He knows what decisions you're going to make. He knows a thought that comes to your mind before the, the thought even is informed in your own mind. He knows the words that you're going to speak before it leaves your tongue. He knows everything. He sifts through the motives of your heart. He knows you. 
He knows it all. And then thirdly, God is everywhere at one time. He listens and and watches over us 24-7. He's everywhere. He can be with the churches this morning over in Africa or in the United Kingdom or in Russia. He knows and can be everywhere at one time. God is all-powerful. He can answer any request that you send his way. Nothing is impossible with God. He has all power. He's got got the power to transform the destiny of a person who, who is a sinner entrenched in sin on their way to hell. He has the power to forgive them of their sins and redirect them into the kingdom of God and cause them to be a child of God. He has that kind of power. Thank God. Amen. He is all powerful. He can raise up kingdoms and he can take kingdoms down. Somebody says, aren't you worried about what's going on in the world? No, because we have a God in the heavens that has all power. He can do anything he chooses to do. And I got news for you. We think we control our future. You think you control your future, but I got news for you. He's God and he moves the furniture as it pleases him. Amen. And then not only that, he is absolutely holy. He won't play games with us if we embrace known sin. He is holy. Now, I'm constantly aware of my own sinfulness. I'm constantly aware of my shortcomings. I know. I grieve with my own sin, but I go to Jesus every day. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, I breathe out that confession. I can breathe in his forgiveness. If we confess our sins, we agree with God that sin is a transgression. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins. And I love this. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You can walk in righteousness and receive the righteousness that God gives freely to those who just get real with him. You can have a relationship with God. But it can't be on your terms. you got to come and receive him by his terms. Amen? He is absolutely holy. And then number six, which I love. God is love. Do you know something? Here's truth. Here's truth. God loves you. Thank God. Amen? He loves you. Well, say, I don't feel it. Forget about your feelings. Feelings has nothing to do with faith. God loves you. Here's truth. Look to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Can you do that? God loves you. You say, but you don't know who I am and what I am. I don't care where you are in the level of life. God loves you. I love this. God's love doesn't depend on our performance. I don't have to jump through so many hoops. God loves me unconditionally. He loves you. And then number seven, God is revealed in the living Bible Because the Bible is the personification of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago. He came in the person of Jesus. If you want to get a good upfront look of what God is all about, look at Jesus. Because he's the son. 
He's part of the triune God. Look at Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get a good look at it. He's perfect in every way. He never did sin once while he walked on the earth. Why? Because in his blood was the blood of God. When he was born, he was virgin born. In other words, the contamination of the bloodline of, of the sins of men was cut off in Jesus. The first Adam fell down in sin. He was polluted with the virus of sin and we got that virus and we all fell down like a bunch of dominoes. But when Jesus came, he had new blood in him and that was the blood from the Holy Spirit that was poured into him and he was a brand new Adam for us. He was what we call the second man. The second man brought to you and I a way of salvation and all you gotta do is open your heart and receive him as Lord and Savior and realize when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he, his veins were ripped open. The blood fell from that cross. And all of the sins of mankind, of past, present, and future, the potential of all cleansing was available to all men. And whosoever will that would come and receive Christ as Lord and Savior would be forgiven. He loved you so much, he knew you had a sin issue, and he knew you couldn't wash away your own sin. Your self-righteousness were his filthy rags, and he knew that your only hope was to receive the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah to the blood of Jesus. Mm. Number two. Develop a constant God awareness. That's the second aspect of knowing God. Isaiah 38, 3, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Now, a God consciousness is the constant mental and heartfelt awareness of God's presence in your life. Let me tell you something. When you're alone, he's there. When you're alone with your own thought life, he's reading your mind. He watches you. He's always watching you. When you become aware of the fact that he says he is everywhere, that means he's with you. When you're hurting, he's walking by your side. He's there ready to lift you and help you. When you're going through great stress and when you're, you're going through conflict with relationships or you're going through conflict with your physical health and, and he feels what you feel, he's there to walk with you. Develop a constant God awareness. He's always with you. If you could look past the physical veil, you would see Jesus even sitting by you this morning. He's with you. A daily keen awareness of his activity in your life. A healthy relationship with God begins with a constant awareness of him. It's been told that there are two kinds of people in the world. One, people who are constantly conscious of God. And secondly, people who only think about God at Christmas and at Easter. You see, the constant awareness of God's presence in your life changes how you live. It enhances your prayer life because you know, even though you cannot touch him and see him, you know the Bible says he's there. That's faith. He's there. 
The Bible says that God cannot and will not lie. If he said he is there, he's there. Look to your neighbor and say, he's here. Can you do that? He's here. The constant awareness of God's presence in your life enhances your prayer life. It shapes your choices. It filters your language. (laughs) Some of our language is getting... Have you noticed that the language is getting more barbaric and more filthy in our society, in our culture? That's because we're losing our God consciousness. If I know Jesus is right beside me and someone cuts me off on the highway, I'll be like, ah, well, hello, Lord. Bless that person in front of me. Just bless them, Lord, and help them get where they need to go quickly. And Lord, if you want me to purge them and judge them in Jesus' name, I sure will be glad to help them out. (laughs) God walks with me. And sometimes when I get off track, God's going, hey, whoa, 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 get over here. I know he's with me. It promotes spiritual desire. It opens up meaningful conversation. To ignore God's daily presence is to close down an opportunity for godly influence. And God is a gentleman. He won't barge his way into your life. He won't beat you over the head. He is a tender, compassionate, loving God. And he's walking with you. He's with you. He's standing by your side. He's ready for your prayer. He's ready for the conversation. Developing a God consciousness begins with a visual sight of his invisible presence. It's what we call seeing God with the eye of faith. It's sensing his constant involvement in our lives, his constant eye upon us. There's no place you can ever escape the all-seeing eyes of God. You may escape the eyes of other people, but a person who has a genuine God consciousness never attempts to hide from him because they know it is futile. You cannot hide from him. You know, well... I'll go out on the bar on Saturday night and just go out here and have a good old time. Let me tell you something. He's with you wherever you go. They realize their life is an open book before him. And then my third point, and all God's people said, yay for cupcakes. (laughs) I am glad I'm not on my diet today. Amen. (laughs) I've had more people said, now you need to try my cupcake. If I tried everybody's cupcake, well, you know. You couldn't get me out of the church building. (laughs) Number three, thank you. Number three, faith is key to knowing God. Faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says this. He says, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him, faith. You can't have a relationship with God without faith. Faith is the juice that connects you to God. It's the juice that makes your relationship flow with him. Faith is not only believing in God, but acting on his promises as reality and fact. That's why we're called Bible believers. That's why it's very foundation. We act on what we know to be true in the scriptures. 
Faith is not only believing in God, but acting on his promises as reality and fact. It's acting on God's interaction in your life. It's accepting a biblical truth as reality and allowing that reality to become a natural part of your life, a life of hope and a life of peace. The acid test of true faith is a life that is shaped by obedience. A believer who truly has faith has a life of obedience to prove its authenticity. And even though we can't physically touch Jesus, audibly hear him, or visibly see him, in this world, in this dimension of life, we receive him through faith. He's there. We pray in faith, knowing full well that he hears our prayers. When I pray, I know he hears my prayer. The Bible says his ears are open to the prayers of his people. When we cry out to him, he hears our cry. When my children were little, I knew about their cries. I had three girls. I knew the whiny cry, ignore it. You'll get over it. I knew the cry, I need something, I want something, I ignore that. Now Janet, she responds to all of them. She's that kind of a mom. But there was that one cry, that cry of pain, that cry of help. No matter where I was in the house, outside, inside, when I heard that cry, I come a-running. And let me tell you something. When you cry out to God, he knows the tone of that cry. And when you cry out in him, to him in prayer, he's a God that moves quickly. He's a God that moves off his throne and he reaches out to help in a time of need. We pray in faith, knowing full well he hears our prayers. We read the Bible in faith, knowing full well that his promises are true. We sense his presence because faith tells us that he's by our side. We hear him speak to us through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He ministers to us. He speaks to us. Faith tells us that God is active in our lives. He's involved in our lives. He observes our behavior. He watches over us. He guides us through open doors and closed doors. He leads us through doors of peace. Our relationship with God is not physical, but rather it's spiritual. God is a spirit, and we interact and worship him in spirit. He knows. He listens. He observes. He loves. He protects. He guides. He's with us all the time, and he's waiting for us to interact with him in total faith. And here's the key of intimacy. Here's the key of intimacy. This changes how you have a relationship with God. When you know that you can come into his presence, knowing that you don't have to come in your shame, you don't have to come in your guilt, you don't have to come with your bags of performance, you come to Jesus realizing that he has loved you unconditionally and he considers you part of his family. You are the brethren of God. You have access to come in a comfortable, easy setting knowing he loves me and he desires to help me. And when you come, you can open up that dry shell of yours and you can tell him all about your concerns, all about your fears, all about your thoughts. And when you talk to him and you share everything with him, he draws near to you and he lifts you. He ministers to you. He'll speak to you. He'll give you peace when you need peace. He'll give you strength when you need strength. 
He'll help you with your problems. He is a God that wants to draw near and he wants an intimate relationship. But that can only happen when you begin to be filled with faith to believe that God is a God of his word and he is who he says he is. And you can let your guard down and stop standing from a distance. Draw near to him. He doesn't have a bat with a nail in it. He loves you. He's ready to embrace you. And my friend, when you come to understand how much God really loves you, you can snuggle in his lap like a child in his father's lap. You are loved in Jesus' name. Amen. You can't have any intimacy with God if you don't have the faith to feel fully loved and accepted of him. The most wonderful thing about it, I can stand here to say, my sins are buried in the deepest sea. Not because I'm some goody-two-shoe or some self-righteous zealot. I can stand here and say my sins are gone because of the blood of Jesus. The stains were so deep. But the grace of Jesus was greater than my sin. The blood of Jesus is greater than my sin. And when the blood of Jesus rolled over this sinful soul, it was the blood that made me whole. And now I can come into the presence of God, declared righteous, declared forgiven, and I can love him. And there's questions. I say, God, I don't understand why this has happened. And God says, tell me about it, Tim, because I love you. Help me in my time of faith. Help me, Lord, with my feelings of unbelief. Help me, Lord Jesus. We have a God that loves and he cares. And the most amazing thing about it is he died 2,000 years ago. You can be born in the family of God. You don't have to give money. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to turn over a new leaf. You don't have to get the cussing out of your life. You, don't, you know what you do? You come just the way you are to Jesus. And you just tell him, I can't. I can't. My friend, you cannot get to heaven on your own. There are many religions in the world. They say there are five. Four of those other religions, the founders are still in the grave. (laughs) But the fifth, early on Easter morning, over 500 witnesses, and we have recorded facts in the scriptures. Even Jewish historians have come back and said, he's no longer here. He's risen. He arose from the grave. You know why? He was truly the Son of God. There are not many gods. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ, the living Lord. Give him glory in the house of God today. Give him glory in the house. Jesus Christ. My friend Lee is already in heaven. My pastor friend is already in heaven. He is already seeing Jesus Christ in all his glorified state. I want to see him. But right now, God says, live by faith. I'm going to live by faith. Jesus, he's the answer. 
if you call upon him, he don't want you to jump through hoops. You just come in your sin. You just come the way you are and say, Jesus, here I go. I'm putting my faith in you. He made you a promise. For whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, this is what he said, shall be saved. You say, well, what, what do I got to do? You don't have to do anything. He did it all on the cross. For whosoever. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care about your ancestry. I don't care about your traditions. I don't care what you've done yesterday. If you'll come to Jesus just the way you are and say, just present yourself and say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to call upon you. He'll save you. I'm here today because a long time ago, I asked him to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed.